With Siyata Dishmaya, I want to continue and I want to talk about, because it's very important, it's very important to engage in a relationship with God. And I want to talk about personal prayer, just to uh, tag on to our previous shiur. When we personalize our prayers, we bring our uniqueness before our Creator, sharing with Him our inner self and our special mission on this earth. If prayer is to be truly personal, we have to think that we should encompass our own blessings, requests, praises to God, updated regularly, in English, of course, English, which is a language you understand. So, but our Siddurim were written about 2,000 years ago in a mixture of Mishnaic Hebrew and Aramaic. So the English translations of our prayers are not always inspirational, nor do they capture the mind and heart of the individual. And what's more, we recite essentially the same prayers day in and day out, except for Shabbat and holidays. So it's hard to find new insights and inspiration when the prayers are so repetitious. So how can we find individuality of expression and personal meaning in our prayers? Can we pray in English? Can we compose our own personal prayers? So prayers not absolutely required to be recited in Hebrew. And most prayers can in fact be expressed in any language. And this is why a Jew who does not know how to read Hebrew may pray with an English translation. In fact, two of the most well-known prayers in our liturgy, the Shema and the Shmona Esrei, may be recited, if necessary, in English. Because understanding and focusing on the meaning of the words and concepts of these prayers is vital. And so, yet the ideal is to recite our prayers in Hebrew. Why? Because Hebrew is a holy language. It's a language in which God created the world, gave Torah, gave the Torah at Mount Sinai, and spoke to our forefathers in the Bible. So the men of the great assembly, 120 of the greatest Torah scholars and prophets of their time, composed the blessings of the Shmona Esrei in a rich Hebrew, bringing with many layers of meaning from basic to eccentric. The better we understand Hebrew, the more the nuances planted within the prayers are appreciated. Since Hashem spoke to us in Hebrew... It's our people in Hebrew. It's only fitting that when we speak to Hashem through prayer, we speak in Hebrew. So even though we don't encompass entire prayer to personalize or replace the time-honored ones of our Siddur, there is an ample room for personal requests of God in the Shemona Esrei. For example, if you wish to pray for someone who's ill, such as a family member or a friend, you may interject the specific Hebrew names in the appropriate place in the Rephaenu. And the Raphaelu blessing for healing. If you're if a person is unemployed or suffering financial distress with Parnassah, the Barakalenu prayer for prosperity is the place to focus on these concerns. In addition, a Rabbeim foresaw the need for every Jew to offer personal prayers of any kind. And so they allowed for personal prayers to be inserted into the Shma Kolenu, the blessing of the Shmona Esrei. And once again, don't be afraid to compose your own personal prayers in English or any language that you understand. Hashem understands every language even if you can't speak. God knows your thoughts and feelings. And so once, once we have internalized the powerful personal nature of our relationship with God, we can access that relationship at will. How many of us are in the habit of speaking to God daily? in our mother tongue, in our own words, about things that really matter 
personally to us. So listen to the powerful words of the Chofetz Haim in his commentary on Psalms, that one should not consider it sufficient to pray to pray three times a day, or once, you know, by if you're Sephardi, you're a woman, it's, it's one time a day. Rather, several times daily, you should be pouring out your prayers and supplications from the privacy of your home and from the depths of your heart, for these formal prayers just roll out of your mouth and you don't pay much attention to them. And amongst the great Hasidic masters, there were many who spoke to God directly, openly and sometimes forcefully. Rabbi Levi Yitzhak Abershev was known to defend the Jewish people by arguing with Hashem, with God, to find merits in their deeds. It was the afternoon before Pesach, and Rabbi Levi Yitzhak was wandering through the streets of the Jewish quarter, seeking out local smugglers. Rabbi Levi Yitzhak quietly circulated among the known smugglers and negotiated with them for contraband merchandise. And whatever he looked for, he found everything was available for the right price. And then he approached Jewish storekeepers and asked them for some bread and whiskey. And they balked at his request. They told him that he was insulting them by suspecting them of having chametz in their possession only a few hours before the Seder. In the end, no merchant was able to produce even a crumb of bread or drop of alcohol. The town was free of chametz. And Rabbi Levi Yitzhak was ecstatic that he failed in his mission to acquire Hametz before Passover. He turned to Hashem and exclaimed, Master of the universe, take pride in your people. Despite the czar's border guards and police, virtually any contraband is available on the, mar- on the black market. But look, look at our people who scrupulously observe the mitzvah to read, rid their homes of Hametz, and not a crumb of bread is available. And over 3,000 years ago, you commanded us to observe Pesach without guards or courts to enforce it. Yet your children dutifully obey your laws out of love and commitment. And others such as Rabbi Nachman of Breslev taught about his bodedus, going out alone into the nature to reflect on God's role in our lives and in the world. And some of Rabbi Nachman's reflections were quite down to earth. Help me see my way out of this monstrous tangle of debts. Those overwhelming expenses and bills, those inescapable medical expenditures, most of all, dear God, help my account with you in the black. (laughs) All the other meditations were for spiritual growth. Almighty God, source of all the energy of life, without you I am helpless. Give me the courage, the physical drive, the emotional energy, the spiritual will to risk in order to grow, to welcome every challenge as my life unfolds. We don't have to go back to another time and place to find instances of meaningful personal prayer. It's still very much alive today. Where? In every Jewish home, on Erev Shabbat, Friday night, Yom Tov, when the woman of the house lights the candles, covers her eyes and recites the blessing and whispers her private prayers, at that holy moment when lighting, when we are lighting our candles and we're ushering in Shabbat, the Shabbat bright into our home, we feel an open connection to God on the highest level. And, and we offer our personal prayers with love and tears. And we may fervently even implore God to provide a livelihood for our family, for our spouses, and for our single children, for a cure for a desperately ill friend. And we'll pray from our heart with passion and hope, knowing, knowing that only God can provide deliverance from our struggles. 
In our tradition, we believe that our Jewish name in some way captures our spiritual essence. So when a parent names a child, we often select a name to perpetuate the memory of a loved one as an Ashkenazic practice or to celebrate the life of a living relative in keeping with Sephardic custom. In Jewish thought, the name parents choose is not a random, it's not random or arbitrary. Rather, each Hebrew name evokes special metaphysical qualities that spirituality connects the newborn with its namesake. And when it comes to God's names, however, mere words cannot begin to describe the indescribable. God operates in different dimension. We, we can no more relate to God than we can describe the breathtaking view of a glorious sunset to one who was born blind. We can no more understand the heavenly spheres than one who was born deaf to hear the great music of a symphony orchestra. And fortunately though, our sages have taught us much about the significance of God's names. And even though we can't fathom their true essence, and what they have shared with us is critical to our developing a relationship with God and guides us on how we should pray to Him. So while we cannot possibly know God, He revealed two of His special names to us. And each of these names reflect a relationship He has with each and every one of us. And they present two of God's major attributes compassion and justice so elokeinu my master our god the first name is the yud and the yud is so holy that it can only be pronounced in its written form in the holy temple in accordance with the talmudic teaching we pronounce it in our prayers as adoni which literally means my master wherever this name of god appears in this book and we're going to follow the Talmudic directive to refer to this holiest of God's names as my master. So we're not praying, we refer, we refer to God's name out of respect as Hashem. Hashem means the name. And this name expresses God's compassion and mercy. Midas al-Khamim, towards us without which we cannot exist. And we're totally, totally dependent on our merciful Father in heaven. Our loving relationship is based on trust and faith that our Father will always be there for us and never let us down. And this special parent-child relationship is highlighted in our daily appeal to our Father before the morning Shema. Our Father, merciful Father who is merciful, have mercy upon us and inspire us. So it's fitting that this name of God represents this attribute of mercy and compassion. The four-letter of God's special name, the Yud and the He and the Vav, and the hey, known in Hebrew as the Shem HaMeforash, and abbreviated the Yud and the Yud, allude to his eternal, infinite qualities. He was, is, and always will be. God is king. God was king. God shall be king forever and ever. God transcends time. He created the dimension of time for mortals as a continuum, past, present, and future. From God's perspective, however, Past, present, and future occur right now in the present tense. And this helps us to better understand how God's attribute of mercy might apply. If God sees us sinning, he considers, among other things, the wonderful deeds of our ancestors, the sincerity of our future repentance, and the merits of our descendants yet unborn. And all of these events are taking place in real time in the here and now. And the second name of God 
Elohim represents this attribute of justice, Midas Hadin, and refers to his omnipotence and his role as the ultimate judge. The term El means power. And in fact, the term Elohim is used in reference to a Jewish court. God then is more than just our Father in heaven. He is the all-powerful judge whose presence pervades every base then. Yet interestingly, we don't refer to God in our daily prayers as our judge. We do, however, have a relationship with God as our king. And this relationship is on equal footing with the relationship to our father. The illustrious Rabbi Akiva composed the theme of one of the most powerful prayers in our liturgy by linking these two relationships. Avinu Malkeinu, our father, our king. Our relationship to God as our king, as one of the loyal, as one of the loyal servants to master. We know God has a mission for us in this world. He wants us to succeed. And only he has the ability to assure our success. We stand in awe before him, recognizing how dependent we are on him. We realize that everything we are and hope to be comes from him. We owe him everything. And ultimately, our king is the greatest judge, for he only has the grace to show leniency and the capacity to pardon even those who have rebelled against him. We turn to the king of the universe to judge us between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. He is our king. Only he is our king and we are his servants. And this relationship is ongoing throughout the year and throughout our entire life. Rabbi Elia Lopian, one of the truly great Musa personalities of the last century, he explained our need for a dual relationship with God as both father and king. A father may love his child very much when his child needs him. There isn't anything, anything that he wouldn't do to help him. And regrettably, though, there may be a time, despite his best efforts, that a father doesn't have the wherewithal to help his child. And only someone powerful and influential like a king has the capability to resolve the problem. Yet sadly, while a king truly has the resources to help, he may feel detached from his subjects. And this is the essence of our Avinu Malkeinu prayer. We appeal to God, our loving father and king, who both cares about his children and has the power to help them, to help us because we are his children and this is the relationship that we're trying and we need and we have to make it a priority to to make to make this priority the priority of our life because for that reason only we were sent and we were created into this world we're only here to be close to our god we're only here to be in the vacas to our god and we have to learn how to really start to have that relationship with him and what better way to have it than to talk to him to talk to god to speak to God, as we said in the previous shiurim, that's in the second person. He's right there because he is. You have to say it. He's inside of you because he is. You have to know it. And this is where Bezat Hashem with Hashem's help. And we have to beseech Hashem. We have to dive into Hashem. We have to speak to Hashem and beg Him so that this can become part of our life. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.